So to follow up on that thing from MJF, Sherry Shepard, yesterday that she was talking about on her show that I only caught the end of, and she was showing a video clip of him getting on an airplane or putting shit in the overhead or something, I don't know. All it was was that she was with her son at the airport and saw MJF and said, oh, that's MJF. And so Sherry Shepard went up to get an autograph or something or and said, hey, aren't you MJF? And he just goes, no. And she's like, do people ever tell you you look like him? Yes. And then that was it. And she was really pissed off. And the son tried to tell her, like, no, that's his whole shtick. He's he's a dickhead on TV and he's a dickhead in real life because he wants to keep up the image of that he's an asshole. <clears throat> So, uh, and that's all it was. So who cares? That's a, that's a story that like big fucking deal. Who gives a shit? MJF. That's all fake. You know, it's fun. I can't wait to see when MJF actually comes back to AEW and what they do with it. I hope they have a good follow-up. I hope it's something exciting and a good plan and a blah, 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 whatever. But I, nobody cares about that. The only story in wrestling right now is the Vince McMahon story. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Let me just... There's so much, and I... I, uh, This has been a crazy year. And I saw somebody... I wish I had saved this tweet somewhere. I'm sure I could find it if I really uh, made an attempt. And somebody was basically recapping, you know, (laughs) like Shane McMahon returned at the Royal Rumble earlier this year and then was promptly... I think was supposed to be back on Raw the next night, was supposed to have something leading into WrestleMania. We have not seen Shane McMahon, Vince's son, since the Royal Rumble. Because evidently there was some kind of big blow-up and people were pissed off at Shane and then, 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 whatever. And so Shane is just like out of the picture. He was in the Royal Rumble and then just gone. Then Triple H, Vince's son-in-law, Stephanie's husband, who is both a performer and an executive. Uh, He returned at WrestleMania, left his boots in the ring, uh, because a few weeks prior to that on Stephen A. Smith's show, Triple H basically announced, I'm officially done with wrestling. It's been three years since Triple H has had a match, but he had a, I don't know if it was a heart attack, but some kind of issue last fall. Uh, I'm sure there's a ton of stress just being, just being anywhere near that family has to be stressful, let alone being married into that family. And then being still like, you know, all the work that he did. And I'm, I'm not like the world's biggest Triple H fan uh, for many different reasons. Um, I've never found his matches to be all that good, quite frankly. Uh, I He seemed like a dick a lot of the times, like just an asshole. Um, and, you know. He just, I, he's, I've just never found the guy to be all that interesting um, as a character or anything else. But he was fantastic as the guy running NXT for several years, up until I mean, basically last year. That that was sort of taken away from him, and then they sort of rebranded NXT. It's NXT 2.0. That sort of gold and black or yellow and black, whatever it is. That went away, I think, in September, and they relaunched the show with like it's different. It's a different kind of look. It's still, it's still the young up and coming wrestlers who are going to be the stars of the future, but it's not so much like let's go get the best indie talent and the best from ROH and the best from New Japan and the best from TNA and the best from whatever. Uh, it's now it's like no, we are going to create. <laughs> In the in the wrestling factory, the WWE factory, uh, so to speak, we are going to create these wrestlers. We are going to get uh, college athletes and uh, and bodybuilders and other uh, other folks who, in all likelihood, have had no actual prior uh, pro wrestling experience. We're going to get these, you know, Olympi- Olympic athletes, college wrestlers, you know, whatever. Not so much. Uh, you know, the great stars of the independent scene or Japanese or Mexican scene or Ring of Honor or even AEW. We're not going after those guys. That's what we did for the last few years, and we're done doing that. And now we're just going to have homegrown. You've never heard of these people before. You've never seen them in a wrestling ring anywhere else. They're in their, you know, early to mid-20s. 
brand new, brand new. And that's, you know, they do have some talent. They've got like Rick Steiner's son who I haven't seen too much of, but he's very talented. Uh, there's there's going to be big stars, and they're going to just learn the WWE way, the WWE culture, the WWE style, and they're going to come up through NXT. And after a few years, they're going to go to the main roster and then be, uh, you know, whatever sort of just they're just going to have that that WWE wrestler sort of template, and the, you know, they have the name that doesn't even sound cool or let alone real. It's just you know, instead of Rick Steiner, uh, like giving the kids name Steiner, they. His name is Braun Breaker, which is this a stupid name to me. I, there's so many stupid names. Uh, <coughs> anyway, and then if you have two names, I'm sure, I'm sure Braun Breaker will go to the main roster in WWE someday, and they'll just call him Breaker. I guarantee you, he'll the rest of his career he'll just be called Breaker, just like Austin Theory is Theory, Antonio Cesaro is just Cesaro, <laughs> uh, Matt Riddle. Like, why can't he just be Matt Riddle? Now he's just Riddle. It's Riddle versus Theory. It's like what? What is this? Like it's like some like slam poetry uh, battle uh, face off thing. Uh, anyway, um, I digress. So Triple H ran NXT. NXT was must see television in WWE for several years. I would say mm, as early as like 2013. When they were having that, I, I just remember seeing Sami Zayn versus Cesaro, uh, the SummerSlam NXT TakeOver thing, and just like, oh my god, this is, you know, because NXT started as like a weird reality game show kind of thing, and uh, where it was a mix of like, you've never seen these guys or heard of them before, and, you know, Brian Danielson, you know, huge on the indie scene, it was, it was a mix of people you haven't heard of and people you maybe have, and and it was a weird thing, and then it became like its own brands. Like this is a wrestling show, and I think you could only see it online at first, like on WWE.com. I mean, the very first few months it was on Sci-Fi, and then it went exclusively to WWE, the website, and then whatever. And then the WWE Network came along, and that's when between you could watch it on Hulu and you could watch it on WWE Network. It's like, okay, now I can actually see NXT, see the one-hour show. It was great because it was a weekly show. It, it didn't have a – it reminded me of watching Monday Night Raw in the, in the early days, like 1993, 1994, 1995, 1996, when it was – it's an hour every week. Uh, it's live once in a while, but it's mostly they tape a few in advance. It's not a huge roster. You get to really know who the wrestlers are. There's only a handful of championships. It's easy to keep track of. It's not a huge commitment to watch it. And it's really entertaining. There's some really good matches. Um, and there's no Doink the Clown, so it's even better in some ways. <laughs> the the 2013 to like 2019 uh, NXT or, you know, whatever, even even 2021 NXT, uh, I, I think the best days were 2013 to 2019 um, but they still had some good stuff after that and during the pandemic and up until last year. And I just haven't watched really any of it since September. <clears throat> Not that I had time to watch much of it before that. But then, you know, it went from an, and it, and it was like all these guys that I've been like, I, they'll probably never go to WWE. And now it was a chance for these guys to come to WWE. It's like, oh my God, Samoa Joe. Oh my God, Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, oh my God, Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens. Uh, it was just like, man, they just keep, you know, Bobby Roode uh, from TNA, who I was, a, I'm a big fan of, and uh, and then they, and then, and then they do have some homegrown, you know, Charlotte Flair, and and Becky Lynch and Bailey and Sasha Banks and Ember Moon and all these people, and some of them were, you know, weren't, weren't created in the WWE and the NXT sort of factory, so to speak, the performance performance center. But it was just like, man, all these, you know, f- yeah, and 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 Prince Devitt, who is now Finn Balor, you know, very very popular uh, in in Japan and in the Indies and stuff like that. And now he's like, oh my gosh, this they they, all right, I don't know about the name, but he's like, holy shit, Prince Devitt is here, and now he's just, you know, he's been Finn Balor for seven, eight years, whatever. So it's like, yeah, he's Finn Balor, and. Uh, and and then Adam Cole and Red Dragon 
and then you've got like Johnny Gargano and uh, and and Ch- Tommaso Ciampa and like Pete Dunne coming over from the UK and just all these and then and then the you know and Walter from NXT UK who's just this big like you know bastard big kind of <laughs> European just you know reminds you of like a, a little a more flabbier uh, uh, drag off from Rocky Four. But uh, but just a just a tough bastard who can who can just beat people up and is incredible in the ring and all and so they, and so it's all, all these guys it's like oh my gosh there's just so so much talent that they've brought in from the indies and that they're creating from scratch and it was just like God there's just no shortage of incredible talent and then yeah like uh, they're known as FTR now in AEW but the uh, those two guys. <laughs> We Harwood and I, I can never remember Dax and Dash and Cash and I, I still don't know their names. Incredibly talented, great tag team. Remind me of Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard from the eighties, and uh, were managed by Tully Blanchard for a while at AEW. Were managed by Bret Hart over the weekend, like huge Bret Hart fans, and he managed them in a in a match over the week. So you know, you just get like all these, and 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 then like yeah, and then like Bray Wyatt came out of NXT. And Seth Rollins, yes, Seth Rollins was from Ring of Honor before that, but he came up through NXT. And Roman Reigns and Moxley, like just so many guys came up through NXT. And and during the Triple H era, and you know, Dusty Rhodes had a lot to do with it when he was still alive, and William Regal. And now all the I mean, Dusty Rhodes is dead. William Regal is now in AEW, so he obviously has nothing to do with NXT anymore as a trainer, as a coach, as anything. Um, and yeah, it's Shawn Michaels is basically, I think he's like the head kind of coach of NXT. Um, but it's, it's, it's become much more of a Vince McMahon product where it was really like, it was really triple H's baby for years. And what happened was NXT was on television. It was an hour every week. It was great. Just a consumable, like, I don't have to spend a lot of time. I can follow. I don't have time for Raw. I don't have time for Smack. But I can follow NXT because all I have to do is give them an hour every week. And that is so wonderful because I don't have time for anything else. So it's great. Um, what is this now? Do, 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 do. Okay. Uh, so funny. I was just about to email somebody, and then they emailed me. How fortuitous. Anyway, um, so what happened, though, was they moved NXT to two hours, and and then they moved NXT. Well, NXT was on Wednesday nights. AEW started on Wednesday nights, and Vince and you know WWE just kind of laughed it off like, oh, please. AEW, what are these guys going to do? <laughs> what are these? This, Triple H even called it uh, when, when Billy Gunn and wrote when DX was inducted into the 2019 Hall of Fame. And, uh, and Billy Gunn was about to leave to go to AEW. And Triple H even acknowledged it. And he's, he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, you're going to go out of that pissant company you're about to go work for or something like that. And it got a laugh. Well, then guess what? The Pissant Company started its weekly TV show a few months later, and they routinely uh, beat NXT in the ratings. As much everybody, rabid NXT fans, so loyal. The best, every, it used to be that NXT would have their pay-per-view on Saturday night, and then uh, WWE would have its pay-per-view on Sunday. So it was like you'd watch an NXT takeover on Saturday, and it was two hours, which was also great. Usually had five, maybe six matches, and most of them were like four star matches and up. The worst match on the show was like a three star match. It was just not. It was almost too much of a good thing. And you had Mauro Ranallo doing commentary, who was like, "This is the next guy. This is you know Gorilla Monsoon, Jim Ross, uh, Michael Cole, you know whatever." Uh, this, this is the guy now they've found the next Jim Ross. They found the next voice of WWE. And of course what happened? He was bullied out of the company. The guy had like, you know, major anxiety, bipolar best in the business and still was made to feel like a fucking asshole by big, stupid dickheads like Bradshaw and fucking douchebags like Corey Graves, you know? 
It's ridiculous. So he left a couple years ago, and that's bullshit. And Renee Young, one of the also one of the top talents that they had on the microphone, doing interviews, hosting shows, and she left uh, what a year ago, two years ago. Um, it's like, <laughs> what the fuck? Anyway, so AEW was like, that's now now you so you had you had Saturday nights pay per view from NXT with guys who are a fraction of the popularity of like the Brock Lesnar's and the Undertaker's and the Roman Reigns and the Seth Rollins and all the people who are going to be on the you know on the big pay-per-view tomorrow night it's supposed to be like yeah we're going to have the NXT pay-per-view on Saturday and then the big pay-per-view is on Sunday uh, so we'll have NXT Saturday and Survivor Series on Sunday or NXT Saturday and SummerSlam on Sunday and the shit that would sell out would be NXT more people Care wanted to see NXT. The rabid crowd, sellout crowd that's like blowing the roof off the arena was the Saturday night NXT show. And then the pay-per-view was like, eh, it's hit or miss. Uh, it got to the point where even WrestleMania, the biggest event of the year, and I'm more excited for the night before NXT show. It's crazy. So, <laughs> yeah, and they just, it was just incredible matches you know they didn't they didn't flip-flop champions all over the place it was just here's your NXT champion here's your tag champions here's your women's champion here's your uh, they had they have some other championship i think tv champ i don't even know um but it basically it was like the NXT champion the tag champs and the women's champ so like and 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 NXT champion usually was champion for like at least 6 months maybe close to a year it didn't change hands that much. It was like Nakamura, Bobby Roode, Samoa Joe, you know, Adam Cole, I guess, uh, a few others, Kevin Owens, um, if I remember right. Yeah, Kevin Owens. And and it was like, yeah, you knew who the and, – and every, people were just such loyal fans to NXT. People were watching NXT who didn't watch WWE. It really, truly – Unlike Raw and SmackDown, where you know you're still watching the same product, even though they call it a different, you know, different rosters and different brand and different everything, it's the same fucking thing. The, the production is the same. The look, the feel is the same. It's it's clearly it's all Vince McMahon. And then you watch NXT, and it's like this is what it used to feel like to watch WWE. You something new happened every week. Long drawn out storylines. Uh, great matches, great payoffs to the feud, five-star main event. It was just like, uh, it reminded me of the 90s when it was like, you know, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and, and, and all the great wrestlers that were like main eventing, you know, not just the intercontinental scene, but the main event scene. Anyway, uh, so then NXT and AEW went head-to-head. And now NXT is not as uh, not the nice shiny object that it once was, because now a lot of some of the guys that we were enjoying in NXT, or some of the people that we had always hoped, like oh, wouldn't it be perfect if Kenny Omega, and or the Young Bucks came to NXT, and or you know somebody like Doctor Britt Baker would have been a perfect NXT. I mean, I'm sure WWE will will snatch her up if they possibly can it's not going to happen anytime soon but uh you know some of these gets like oh wow wouldn't these people have been perfect if aew didn't exist mjf would be would have been in nxt for the last probably two years and now he'd be you know making his debut he probably they would have kept him on nxt during the pandemic and then probably sometime last summer or fall they would have had him debut uh when crowds came back to the arena would be my guess if if aew didn't exist so AEW exists, and so now all the great indie talent and young up-and-coming talent that you've never heard of, they're not necessarily going to NXT. They're going to AEW. And, and NXT, while still good, is not quite, it's like, oh, but AEW, you can get the young up-and-coming talent and talent that you couldn't otherwise really see too often in North America like Kenny Omega and the Bucks and, 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 and others, you're getting those guys, but you're also getting, oh, Chris Jericho. He's, he's a legend. <laughs> he's, he's a big, big time name. And, uh, oh, Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, 
That's he was just in WWE. He left WWE. He's that's another main eventer. A couple years ago, he was wrestling Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. He's a world champion, and now, now he's in AEW. And Cody Rhodes at the time, obviously, Cody Rhodes has returned to WWE in recent months. But uh, you had, you know, and then every every so often, it was like a new guy and another, you know, somebody else was showing up. And meanwhile, the the people you never heard of before AEW, the Britt Bakers and the and the MJFs and the Orange Cassidys and and the Darby Allens and all these guys are really, you know, coming up in the world and making a name for themselves. While you also have established stars on the show and uh and and some legends, you know, Sting is there and like you can see Jake the Snake. So you can see like a nice combination and you can hear familiar voices. You had Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone on the uh on the on commentary along with Excalibur, who's really good. And so, yeah, sometimes NXT would would win the ratings, but more often than not, it was AEW. And Vince did not like that. So it wasn't long before they moved NXT to Tuesday nights, basically admitted defeat and said, okay, more people are watching AEW on a, on a regular basis than watching our product. We're going to move it to Tuesday night. And it was a nice way for Vince to say, all right, Triple H, you failed, and you're not going to be in control of this anymore. I'm going to have more oversight on NXT, and we're going to do things my way because your way couldn't beat NXT in the ratings every single week like it should have. And my way will be the way of the future and the way we will do things. And I'm sure all of that led to Triple H having whatever the episode was last fall, a cardiac episode. Was it actually a heart attack? Nobody said that, but yeah, probably. Like I said, it has to be a ton of stress to be even in the same building as Vince McMahon. Being his son-in-law has to also be a ton of stress because now you're seeing Vince at Christmas. (laughs) Like I'm sure sh- one of the nice things and now about not being related to your managers and your bosses at work is that you can go even though maybe Thanksgiving doesn't always have the family members that you're really dying to see you still can pretty much guarantee one thing your boss is not going to be there and so for Triple H it's like holy shit the holidays Vince is going to be there at work. Vince is going to be there everywhere I go. Vince is going to be there. I'm sorry. That is going to do something to a guy after a while. I don't care how, you know, that he's married in and he's, you know, financially set forever and ever this and that, you know, he's still a human. And no matter how much money we have, how much money we make, how much success we've had in the past, it's, you still don't want to fail. You still don't want to disappoint you don't want to disappoint your family. You don't want to disappoint your kids. You don't want to disappoint your boss. And when your boss is also your father-in-law and you're married to his daughter, it's like a few extra layers of disappointment if you do disappoint. So I'm sure a whole lot of things. And plus, you know, just the everything else, the stress of just being on the road for years, wrestling, blah, blah, blah. Eh, I'm sure it all came to a head and... uh and that's that's the cardiac episode. So anyways, that's not really the point of this. The point is so so Triple H gets, you know, knocked down a few pegs, has his heart attack, announces his retirement. Shane McMahon makes his return and then just as quickly as he comes back, he's gone the next day, not to be seen or heard from since then. And then uh what a month ago, a few weeks ago, Stephanie McMahon announces that she's stepping away from her role to spend more time with the family, which is always, uh, whenever anybody says, I'm stepping away to spend more time with the family, uh, they, uh, 0% of the time, are doing it because they want to spend more time with their family. Uh, I, every day, try to do things that get me the opportunity to spend more time with my family and I don't announce it in a press conference. Yes, I know I'm not in a big public-facing role, but still. Uh, so, so Shane is gone. Triple H is, you know, more or less gone. I mean, he still works there, but his his power has been 
largely taken away. He's not he's not in that same position he once was. Stephanie has now. St- I mean, she's been an executive forever. She's stepped back. Uh, Nick Khan has been the the man running WWE for the last what? It's only been two years. I want to say it was during 2020 that Vince brought him in, and that's when shit started to like majorly change. Because this Nick Khan, he's an agent. He's you know has an incredible mind for the business. Could actually be just as much of the fucking devil as Vince McMahon. Uh, although I'm not sure that anybody, I, I do true. If somebody really did say like, oh yes, Vince McMahon is actually the devil, I'd say, yeah, no, we we knew that. So, anyways, so all of that has happened in recent weeks, and then you've got like Naomi and Sasha Banks just walking out, and to me, that's still a weird story that they they didn't like what was scheduled for their character to do that night on raw or in the future days and weeks to come. And so they just, they threw the title belts on the table and said, fuck it, we're out of here. And now there's rumors that Sasha has been officially let go. I don't know if that's true, but all kinds of weird stuff. And now, (laughs) now you have from yesterday, Wall Street Journal first reported it, but it's behind a paywall, so I'll go to CNBC. WWE board investigates secret $3 million hush payment by CEO Vince McMahon, report says. Mm. Eat a drink. Uh, World Wrestling Entertainment's board is investigating a $3 million hush money settlement that CEO Vince McMahon paid a former employee over an alleged affair, Wall Street Journal reported. WWE spokesman told the newspaper that the company is cooperating with the board's investigation and the relationship between McMahon and the woman was consensual. The board's probe also revealed older agreements related to misconduct claims against McMahon and another WWE executive by women who used to work at the company. WWE board investigating a $3 million hush Yes, okay. The agreement, which was struck in January, is intended, intended to prevent the woman who had worked as a paralegal for the company from discussing her relationship with McMahon or making critical statements about the chief executive, the journal says. A WWE spokesman told the newspaper the company is cooperating with the board's investigation that the relationship between McMahon and the woman was consensual. McMahon, 76, is married to Linda McMahon, who served as CEO of WWE and a small business administration chief in the administration of former President Donald Trump, who is a WWE Hall of Famer. I mean, in that part, too, they're like best pals, by the way. Vince and Trump are, they are best bros uh, still to this day. So come on now. Um, (laughs) Is there any surprise that, you know... That the, the hush money and payoffs and all this stuff for sexual things. I mean, come on, man. Uh, I'm sure they both borrowed stuff from each other's playbooks over the over the years. The report said the board's investigation, which started in April, also revealed non-disclosure packs related to misconduct claims from other women who had worked at WWE. These agreements involved McMahon and WWE talent executive John Laurinaitis, who wrestled under the name Johnny Ace, the journal added. WWE didn't immediately respond to a request for comment from CNBC. Uh, You know, and look, this is, parts of this are hearsay, right? Uh, There's a lot of shit going around that basically John Laurinaitis would get the, for lack of a better term, the sloppy seconds from Vince. So Vince would uh, sleep with these girls, these women, whatever, uh, and then basically pass them along to Johnny who would then do the same thing. And then they would just pay him a bunch of money to go away and never talk about it ever. And guess what? Okay. You had to sleep with two old, gross, disgusting people, but now you're a millionaire. Isn't that nice? Uh, The board retained Simpson Thatcher and Bartlett LLP, New York based law firm to conduct the investigation firm didn't immediately respond to a request from comment. McMahon's lawyer, Jerry McDevitt, was not immediately available for comment. Wow, that's surprising. McDevitt told that he's probably out uh, shopping for neck braces for Vince. Uh, McDevitt told the journal that the former employee didn't make any harassment claims against McMahon. He also said WWE didn't pay her any money. Mm. Okay. The news comes at a pivotal time for the wrestling entertainment uh, entertainment company. 
In May, executive Stephanie McMahon, the daughter of Vince and Linda McMahon, took a leave of absence from most of her responsibilities at the company. WWE is a lifelong legacy for me, and I look forward to returning to the company that I love after taking this time to focus on my family, she tweeted at the time. Mm-hmm. WWE has also been the subject of speculation over potential sale of its media rights. Uh, it has deals with Fox, USA Network, Hulu, NBC Universal's Peacock streaming service. The Hulu deal expires this year. The company is publicly traded, but McMahon owns the majority of WWE's voting shares. He took over the company from his father, also named Vince McMahon, in 1982. Under the younger McMahon's oversight, uh, WWE, then known as World Wrestling Federation, became a global juggernaut. In the decades since, the company has spawned superstars such as Hulk Hogan, Bret the Hitman Hart, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and Dave Batista. This is far from McMahon's first brush with controversy. In 1993, he was indicted on federal charges related to anabolic steroids, which he and several professional wrestlers in WWF stable used. He is acquitted of the charges in 1994. McMahon and company also came under fire in 1999 for continuing a show after superstar Owen Hart, a brother of Brett's, fell to his death from an arena's rafters while staging a stunt. The company eventually agreed to pay the Hart family $18 million over the wrestler's death. Uh, NBC Universal, yeah, NBC's, CNBC's Candace Choi contributed to this report. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> not, not looking so great for Vince. But you know what? There's been plenty of times where it's not looking so great for Vince. As I said, the steroid trials where he was walking around with that neck brace. Oh, poor Vince with the neck brace. Uh, yeah, so the rumor... WWE sent an internal message to employees regarding yesterday's report on Vince McMahon's alleged NDAs with female employees. It's according to Brandon Thurston. It stated the company is taking the matter seriously, cooperating. Okay. SmackDown team have been told McMahon will be at Friday's SmackDown taping, and it will be business as usual. Site says that as of last night, John Laurinaitis' status with WWE is unchanged. All right. Okie dokie. If that's what you say, uh... Yeah, there's some so it's it's getting interesting. <laughs> and WWE's uh board of directors they're uh, they're investigating uh what else? Vince McMahon allegations reference at AEW Rampage taping. Uh Max Caster okay. <laughs> Not surprised there. Max Caster made a reference to the news of WWE Chairman and CEO Vince McMahon's alleged secret $3 million settlement. Uh, honestly, I had something to say, but somebody made me sign an NDA, Caster said during his customary pre-match rap. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, Max Caster. That's a future megastar, too, by the way. I don't care what you say. Let's see. Good, good. <laughs> he's, he's fucking hilarious, that guy, as far as I'm concerned. He's going to be major, major. Sasha Banks has reportedly been released by WWE. Okay. Uh, released WWE star seemingly re reacts to Vince McMahon allegations. Former WWE superstar Maria Canellas Bennett has seemingly reacted to the news of WWE chairman and CEO Vince McMahon's alleged secret $3 million settlement with a departing employee. While Maria's first tweet didn't mention McMahon or WWE, she posted a rebuttal to a fan who accused her of seeking attention. In response from Maria, po Maria pointed out how she's always stood up for her beliefs and got fired for doing so. Her tweet says, A simple definition of the abuse of power is the misuse of a position of power to take unjust advantage of individuals, organizations, or governments. I've been speaking up since before there was Twitter. I spoke up in WWE. I fought for equal pay in 2010, which is why I was released. I spoke up after I was released both times. I've been fighting for the rights of women and more opportunities since. Yeah, so... Uh, 
Maria was likely referencing a bit about several formal, former female WWE employees alleging misconduct against McMahon and Laurinaitis, which was something Nia Jax, Lena Fanini, insinuated through a tweet in April. While responding to reports of female talents in NXT allegedly being asked to dress like Mandy Rose, Jax call, called out certain WWE higher-ups who can never see past their own perverted ways. Uh, when Laura Ninus was rehired as head of talent relations in 2021, uh, Fightful selects follow-up to the Wall Street Journal story. One specific female talent was frustrated with the move. One source revealed, according to the report, that she would rather get all of her stuff sent to her in a trash bag when she gets fired rather than deal with Laura Ninus. The report quoted another employee as saying that they believe the allegations against McMahon and Laura Ninus will lead to a domino effect and the possible exit of Laura Ninus with the company. I think that's a that's an obvious. <clears throat> Laurenitis. Yeah, I mean I'm sure he'll be gone sooner than later. And then that's it. He'll be like he'll be the fall guy. And as usual, nothing will happen to Vince. Uh but you know what? I mean, there's I mean, there's some just crazy just some crazy stuff. There, what, 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 let me go to let me go to Twitter for a second. Uh is there something else? Nothing new here. Twelve person board of directors still includes McMahon's daughter Stephanie. So that that could be interesting. This could all be very that could be. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. And let me go to Twitter because there was a great tweet. Tweet tweet. Let's see if I can sign in here. Wow, it's weird to sign into Twitter on a computer. Oh, this isn't the... I don't want to sign into this account. No, no, no. That's the Birthday Boy Podcast account. Let me see. <clears throat> Let me see what I can look at here on, on the Twitter. The tweeter. Uh, let's see. Listen! Listen! Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Uh, Vince McMahon thread. This was from Forbidden Drain. This is just like a timeline of Vince McMahon being a piece of shit. Not a whole hell of a lot of this is new to anybody who's been a fan or been following you know, Vince and WWE and pro wrestling for years. But uh, just to see it all in one place is kind of like, whoo. Uh, Vince McMahon thread. Rita Marie Chatterton was the first female referee in WWE in the 80s. She got into Vince's limo to discuss her contract, but was forced to have oral sex to save her career. When she didn't agree, Vince allegedly raped her that night on July 16th, 1986. In 2006, I mean, and some of this is storyline related, but it's still, it's real. I mean, he's fucking, it's perverse. I mean, he's a fucking freak. And this is the one that's like, oh my gosh. In 2006, Vince came up with an incest storyline with his daughter, Stephanie. Vince's pitch was to have a who's the daddy story with Stephanie's unborn baby. The end game was either Vince or Shane, Stephanie's brother, Vince's son, being revealed to be the father. Luckily, Stephanie rejected the idea. Oh, gee, I wonder why. In 1983, Jimmy Snuka was charged with the murder of his girlfriend, Nancy Argentino, and Vince was the one who did all the talking for his employee. Vince allegedly paid off the investigators to save Snuka from legal troubles. To this day, WWE doesn't acknowledge those charges. Edge and Lita, both were against the live sex celebration. Uh, this was in 2006. But Vince McMahon didn't listen to anyone, including John Cena, who tried to cancel this idea. McMahon even threatened to fire Lita if she didn't do what the company had planned for her. When Steve's, Steve Austin's then-wife, Deborah filed domestic violence charges on him, McMahon was the was one of the first to cover up for him. He allegedly told Deborah to never discuss this publicly with anyone. After Austin walked out on WWE in 2002, he was briefly arrested for beating his wife. I remember that very well. Jim Ross once revealed that Vince wasn't going to sign Gail Kim in the company, but he changed his mind after Ross told him that men were into Asian porn. Jim even said that McMahon didn't believe such a thing existed in the first place. 90s steroid trial. McMahon was accused of giving steroids to his wrestlers like Candy, and many wrestlers even testified against him. He even transferred WWE's ownership to his wife, Linda, because there was no way he was getting out of this without a miracle. And guess what? <laughs> he got out of it. In 1992, Terry Garvin and Mel Phillips were accused of sexually, sexually harassing a young ring attendant named Tom Cole. 
Gavin and Phillips were fired and were never brought back. McMahon knew about this, but still didn't do anything. Cole committed suicide some time ago. McMahon personally interviewed Melanie Pillman on Raw the day after Brian Pillman's death. I remember that watching that live, and I could not believe that a day after he died, they were interviewing his wife, who just died a few weeks ago, by the way, Melanie Pillman. Uh, she just died, yeah, recently. Um, she had lots of lots of problems. Uh, MJF referred to her as Methany on uh, on Dynamite AEW uh, Dynamite sometime in the last year because uh, Pillman's son wrestles for AEW. So Brian Pillman Jr. Anyway. Yeah, McMahon interviewed Mel- Melanie Pillman on Raw the day after Brian-, Brian Pillman's death. Used as a ratings ploy, they plugged it throughout the night on Raw. Vince used Melanie to avoid any accusations of drug steroid abuse within the company. An affidavit of late Ashley Mazzaro details an experience, and she committed suicide a few years back, details an experience she had during a WWE tour to the Middle East. She claimed to have been raped and sodomized by a member of the military while on the trip. Vince told her to keep quiet so the WWE's relationship with the military was not hurt. Isn't that nice? After China was aware that Triple H and Stephanie had been in a relationship behind her back, things between her and WWE deteriorated. China stated in an interview, after meeting with Vince about the situation, she was sent home and received a fax telling her she was not needed anymore. I don't quite know. I mean, she was she left in 2001. She didn't, she didn't just, like, go away. I mean, Triple H was with Stephanie... Uh, I don't know. But anyway, um, according to one insider, Vince not only did tremendous amounts of cocaine, but bragged about it. Vince is quoted as saying, I can snort as much of that stuff as anyone can put in front of me and never get hooked. <laughs> in 2006, uh, I remember this. This was during the Royal Rumble because the Royal Rumble was in Miami. And Vince has a place in West Palm Beach or in Palm Beach, maybe. Uh, in Boca Raton, whatever. In 2006, McMahon was accused by a tanning salon attendant in Boca Raton, Florida. According to the criminal complaint, McMahon showed the attendant nude photos of himself. When she didn't bite, or whatever he was interested in, Vince was accused of forcing himself on her. Uh, McMahon repeatedly mocked Jim Ross and his Bell's Palsy in WWE TV during the peak of the anti-bullying Be a Star campaign. Yes, I mean, that is on the internet. Anyone can see that. It's true. In 2005, Vince McMahon agreed to a KKK gimmick in WWE, as confirmed by Chavo Guerrero. He further review, revealed in the interview that he wanted to go the whole nine yards with the gimmick and said that he wanted to come out dressed as a Ku Klux Klan member, but they later backed out. Jesus. Three weeks after Owen Hart's careless death on a live pay-per-view, his, mar- his wife, Martha Hart, launched a wrongful death lawsuit against the WWF. She included... Her children and Owen's parents on the lawsuit, WWE settled out of court for approximately $18 million on November 2nd, 2000. Um, man, that's still a small amount, man. Like, you're, oh, that's still, that will never not bother me. Uh, just like the fucking stupidity of like having poor Owen have to go up and do that stupid, goofy flying down from the sky. And he did it a bunch of times before that, obviously, but like, Jesus, man. Yeah, just so pointless, so fucking pointless. And a guy who was just like trying to save enough money and just get out of the business. Oh boy. Uh, Matt Hardy revealed that Vince McMahon in 2003 wanted him to team with Mark Henry and quote, talk like a black person. Matt said that he was supposed to talk about being suppressed and talk with a quote, black slang. Tiger Ali Singh complained to Vince about making him wear a turban and traditional Indian garb, telling him it was offensive to his people and a desecration. Vince replied, you and D'Lo are going to put on those fucking turbans, and I don't care about desecration. Yeah. There's lots of stuff. There's so much. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. Uh, Anyway, so if you, I've talked about this before, that Vince McMahon is a piece of shit. And there's nothing that I've ever seen or heard that really uh, would indicate anything to the contrary. <laughs> I think, like, anytime I see anything about Vince McMahon, I hear anything, I watch the product, I see his... It's just like, oh, he's just... Oh, just fucking... This be done already. He's 70... I think he's going to be 77 in August. It's like, how much longer? <laughs> 
Uh, you know, and not to mention, I mean, Vince Vince has played no small role in the sort of like pan American, you know, anti foreign boogeyman kind of thing that that Trump really was able to, you know, majorly capitalize on to the point where it won him an election. Um, not by the popular vote, of course, but anyway, uh, but still, uh, what, you know, if you watch WWF in the eighties, the nineties, even in the two thousands, my God, I mean, just poor Shad Gaspard who passed away what died a year or two ago, uh, and saving his kid from drowning. And then he, you know, got carried out to sea and drown that poor bastard. Uh, and what, what was he in the tag team? Known as crime time because they were two black guys, so obviously they have to be crime time. They have to be criminals, and uh, you know all that stuff. Um, and then you know, right around the same time that they had uh, Muhammad Hassan, who his gimmick was that he was <laughs> he was a um, a Muslim American who had experienced incredible amounts of racism. Post 9-11, which <laughs> should, <laughs> for all intents and purposes, make him not a bad guy. But it just made him like the most hated character, the most hated villain that they have. And he famously, you know, the guy who played Muhammad Hassan, you know, hated that. He wasn't there for very long. He was like, I mean, not even a year, if I remember correctly. That he was in WWE. Uh, now he made a big impact when he was there. I mean, he's in matches with Shawn Michaels and Hulk Hogan, and you know had the big moment with the Hulkster at WrestleMania. Wrestled the Undertaker. I mean, like he could have been a big star. Um, you know, would have been cool if they had just like dropped that whole thing. But it's like you know, from like the Iron Sheik to like Yokozuna who's a Samoan guy, but he's just, you know, he's the evil, you know, Hulk Hogan would come back and be like, I'm going to, I'm going to beat that Jap brother. It's like, what the fuck? It's 1993. The war has been over for a few minutes. We don't need to refer to them as Japs. They're not our enemy. Like what is happening? You know, so obviously lots of American flag, USA, USA, you know, the tribute to the troops, um, you know, which was, you know, it started during the, 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 you know, the, in 2003, during the, uh, you know, the, that last doofus president, uh, Bush, doing the, the Iraq, the, the war thing, and, you know, they go out, they would actually go out to the desert somewhere and, you know, where the troops were stationed and put on a, a show and they'd televise it at Christmas time. It was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And it's just, you know, and, that, and there's nothing wrong with the tribute to the troops, but it's just like, just so much of the, you know, America good. I mean, it's just like the easiest uh, thing in the world. Like wrestling, if you can't think of something, it's like, oh, look at this. Hey, we got a we got a non-white guy. Make him an evil foreigner. Hey, we got we got this big guy from Samoa. Oh, great. We'll make him an evil Japanese sumo guy, and uh, and we'll we'll stoke the uh, <laughs> we'll stoke the flames of uh, yeah of of <laughs> whatever you want to call it. <laughs> ethnocentric uh, whatever uh, under the uh, but we'll call it just good old fashioned patriotism <laughs> just yeah just like good old fashioned white nationalism boo boo the Japanese sumo guy boo boo Muhammad Hassan who experienced racism post 9-11 boo that Arab <laughs> And then, oh, these guys are from Samoa. So obviously they don't know how to speak any, they, they're just wild savages and, uh, who, you know, loincloths and barefoot and they don't know how to speak English and they've never seen any anything from the modern world uh, because they're from Samoa, obviously. Uh, and, and, you know, you could just go on and on. Yeah, and the, the black guys are in the team called Crime Time and, you know, it's like... <laughs> Just, just so much of that for so many years. Like, my God, and how many, <clears throat> you know, the number of African American world champions, you know, especially in the eighties and nineties. Uh, what was that number? It would be zero. Uh, and I guess the Rock would be the first world champion. 
uh, who's African-American, if I'm not mistaken. And there weren't many more after that until, you know, like Kofi Kingston and Big E, um, you know, Bobby Lashley and some of those guys. But like, you know, Jesus Christ. You got Ron Simmons, who was a, you know, a world-class athlete, was a world champion in WCW. Uh, and then he comes to WWF and they put him in the stupid gladiator helmet and that doesn't work. And then a couple months later, he's got the leather coat and he's got the, the beret and the, uh, you know, the nation of Islam type thing, the nation of domination. And, uh, it's like, Jesus Christ, like does, does every black wrestler who comes to Vince's organization have to like be one of the stereotypes? And the answer was yes, Absolutely. Because that was the same time when they had uh, Two Cold Scorpio, who's just a great wrestler. And he comes in and, of course, he's Flash Funk uh, in some weird, like, futuristic pimp suit and a pimp hat and a, and a whatever. And the, the, the funky funkettes, whatever the hell they were. And it's like, okay, yeah, obviously, yes. He's got to have, has to have, like, he's got to be a funky dancing pimp. <laughs> I wrote a whole paper on this uh, senior year of high school and I handed it into that idiot Bezozzi who taught the Fab... St- it was during the Fab 60s class. I was so proud of this paper. I thought it was like some of my finest work. And the teachers who loved me the most were the English teachers because they were fully aware of you know that I was a very capable writer. Bezozzi having a fucking peanut in his little peanut head instead of a brain... Uh, yeah, he gave me an A, but he had no comments on it. He had nothing to say. I'm like, you, you don't even, you have no idea about anything. He just a fucking dope, just a fucking moron. That guy, Bazozzi, Jesus Christ, fucking loser. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, so like, so Vince McMahon is like, yeah, the whole like, uh, yeah, pro America, anti foreigner. You know, but it's just good old fashioned patriotism, you see. Uh I mean it's 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 been going on for a long time. And when you see so then when you see somebody campaigning over like, oh, these these rapists are coming over the border and they're bringing drugs and they're all they're bringing their uh <laughs> their insatiable rape appetites and uh and uh and they'll the oh and the we gotta ban the the Muslims because they're all going to bomb our buildings. And then uh, you know, and then meanwhile, there's Vince making a zillion dollars with his relationship with Saudi Arabia, <laughs> the the place where the 9-11 terrorists were actually from, and who have you know very questionable uh practices as far as their leadership and government and you know, killing journalists and that kind of thing. It's a, uh, you know, obviously they're trying to, they're trying, it seems, but uh, holy smokes. Um, so anyway, so it's like, yeah, Vince, Vince is, <laughs> I love WWE. I will, I've always been a fan. I will always be a fan. But I do remember like just even in the nineties when you thought like, man, shouldn't this shit be like over by now? The whole like you know white patriotic flag waving American versus the the evil dark skinned foreigner like is there anything do we have anything else that we can do with these guys besides like all the stereotypes and the cliches and all of this? And the answer was no. So here you go, Lex Luger, put on these American flag tights, wave the American flag, drive a bus around the country promoting patriotism. And uh, we'll talk about how you're going to get rid of the evil Japanese, the evil threat of Japan, <laughs> a.k.a. Yokozuna, a.k.a. Rodney Anawaye, a big Samoan. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, 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 he's a Japanese uh, sumo superstar, you see. Uh, and then, oh, and then in the 80s, we'll take a, a big fat white guy with a beard uh, who goes by the name of One Man Gang, and we'll put him in a dashiki. And we'll announce that he is from deepest, darkest Africa. And we'll call him Akeem, the African dream. And he'll come out like, you know, dancing. And and the the theme song is going to be called Jive Soul Bro, which is, look, still one of my favorite theme songs of all time. I love that song. But, uh, yeah, you know, (laughs) 
I guess there's probably a reason they don't they don't play that song too much anymore. Uh anyway, it's uh it's just so you got a bunch of kids growing up on this stuff. Uh most of them cuz most wrestling fans uh the modern wrestling fan is a little bit smarter than than my era, but I mean Jesus Christ, go to a wrestling show in the early 90s. And I just remember thinking, like, holy cow, I didn't know there were this many stupid... That was, like, the first time that I really was made aware of just how many stupid people there were. The first wrestling show I went to, waiting in the parking lot to get into the Glens Falls Civic Center. And and some woman was like, you stick with me, kids, I'll help you. I was like, what? we're with my dad, like, he's he's okay, He's he's got us, you know, we're, we're going to stick with my dad, we know him, actually, and I don't know you, and, and she was, like, telling us, like, oh, they're going to let you in, you're going to go do, and just you stick with me, I'll help you get through the, and like, who are you? Um, and she was a moron, and, and, like, all just all these, like, just redneck wrestling fans, like, oh, my God, there's a lot of morons here. Like, I'm starting to think. I'm starting to think wrestling, pro wrestling, might not be all that highbrow here in 1992. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so anyway, yeah, 1992, the, the year that the Head Shrinkers made their debut and uh, bare feet with with uh, their, uh, <laughs> their, their bamboo sticks and their spears and their loincloths and, you know, bone necklaces and shrunken heads and all that stuff. Like, oh, yeah. Because, you know, they're from Samoa. So, obviously, that's what all Samoans are like, according to Vince McMahon. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, so you got, like, wrestling fans who just aren't that smart to begin with. And then they're just kind of, like, conditioned watching wrestling growing up in the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s. And, like, oh, yeah, you know, white American guy, USA, USA, waving the flag brown person from not the USA or in many cases actually from the USA and quite American but isn't white so we're going to make this person a foreigner from a different country and they'll be evil for some reason just because they're not from here and they're not white and they're you know anyway uh I digress but yeah Vince has uh you know it's been pretty it's pretty well documented that he's a fucking asshole you know, ask, ask Bret Hart, you know, Vince only, uh, you know, completely fucked him at the end of the 97 survivor series and then killed his brother a couple years later, uh, by making him do that stupid fucking thing from the rafters. Uh, I still like the fact that Bret Hart, uh, I, I, when I think about it, it's like, wow, man, just, yeah, that Bret Hart, being a little bit when i was younger it's like uh i wish bret hart would just go back to wwe just like put all that stuff behind you and go back and he did and i'm glad because we got to have more bret hart but uh okay um but as a you know as i'm a little bit older i think god damn if i if my boss had totally, you know, like fucked me over, <laughs> fucked me out of my job on on live TV, told me he was going to release me because he couldn't afford me, and then screwed me on live TV on a pay per view, and then, uh, and now it was just it was just revealed like a month after that, uh, he offered the Ultimate Warrior a five year contract for like seven hundred and fifty thousand a year. Bret Hart's contract was for twenty years a million dollars a year. And so they didn't have enough money for Brett, but they had enough money to offer the Ultimate Warrior to come back. And then a few months later to offer Mike Tyson, what was it, like three, four million dollars? Which, goddamn, that was the right... Vince was very lucky that the Ultimate Warrior didn't come back because I think that would have been a disaster as much as I would have loved to see it. He, uh, that would have just been crazy. Uh, and Mike Tyson was probably the best thing that ever happened to the WWF. Uh, so yeah, in retrospect from a business perspective, I guess Vince made all the right moves fucking over Bret Hart and, uh, going in the direction that he did. But man, if I'm Bret, uh, and I say, okay, you told me you couldn't afford to pay me anymore a year after you gave me this great contract because I said, I'm loyal to WWF. I'm going to be here forever. This is my home. This is my family. This is where I want to be always and forever. 
And, uh, and so you, a year later, you, you released me from that contract, told me to go to WCW where I didn't particularly want to go. And then on live television, you fucked me out of my title. And, uh, and then you offered Ultimate Warrior Mike Tyson uh, <laughs> millions of dollars that you couldn't give me. Uh, and then a couple years later, you had my brother dress up in the dopey blue blazer suit and go up to the top of the arena uh, only to fall to his death. I would say, if that's me, yeah, I don't want anything to do with you ever again. And for a long time, he didn't. And then he slowly... I mean, I guess that's it. Like, Vince can just, like, chisel away at somebody. And and slowly but surely, Brett, you know, he came back and he did the Hall of Fame. And then he came back and he was on Monday Night Raw a few years after that. And then he was in WrestleMania with Vin- wrestling against Vince McMahon, which was really just an assault. <laughs> it was just Brett beating the shit out of <laughs> Vince McMahon with a steel chair. Normally, I don't want to see elder abuse. Uh, in any way, shape, or form, but uh, <laughs> but that was a that was a real pleasure to watch, and I'm sure it felt great for Brett. And I'm sure maybe that's what sold him on coming back. Was Vince said, "Look, we're gonna have a match at WrestleMania. You're gonna make a shit ton of money, and you'll be able to just fucking bash me re- repeatedly with a chair." And Brett probably was like, "Yeah, all right, sounds good." Um. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, so you add, uh, you know, you add all of that, and the fact that Vince has, you know, f- openly admitted that he, you know, cheated on Linda in the past. Uh, you look at some of the stuff that he would do on television. I mean, like, you know, Jesus Christ, like, <laughs> like uh, making out with Tr- Trish Stratus. I mean, really, really making out with Trish Stratus. Uh, and and among others, you know, all the like kind of weird sort of sexual stuff that his character would do on TV. In some cases in front of his wife. Just he's a fucking he's an insane person. And yeah, if you told me he was fucking he was Satan himself, I'd be like, yeah, that tracks. I can see that. That makes a lot of sense. Anyway, uh, I've been talking about this for an hour, and once again, there's the lunch period. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Vince McMahon, this is like the story, you know, and and so much crazy stuff happening, you know, once upon a time, the big stories were Shane McMahon, uh, left WWE after the Royal Rumble, Stephanie McMahon stepping away, Triple H retiring, Cody Rhodes returning, uh, Roman Reigns, uh, taking a lighter schedule, uh, you name it, you know, the Sasha Banks and, and Naomi walking out on the company. There's just all these stories that are now just like, eh, who cares? Cause this is, the, this is the story. And a lot of people are like, you know, talking about like a succession or something, you know, people will have a picture of this Nick Khan, uh, with the Mortal Kombat thing with like, you know, Triple H's face crossed out and Shane McMahon's face crossed out and Stephanie's face crossed out and then moving up to the next opponent, Vince McMahon, uh, which is, you know, potentially about to be crossed out. Uh, so this guy, Nick Khan, he could be the guy like because he's got he's got all these ideas for WWE. I mean, the guy is, you know, all all this revenue generating stuff. He doesn't give a fuck about what wrestling fans want from WWE. That has been obvious for a while. Uh, you know, it could be like WWE Disney <laughs> at some point. Uh, and and really look nothing like the uh the product that I've been watching for 30 years. But anyway, but if that's man, if that was his whole th- I mean, Jesus Christ. He comes in 2 years ago. Gets rid of the son, gets rid of the son-in-law, gets rid of the daughter, and then could be potentially getting rid of the old man. Like, oh my god! And there's speculation that like Nick Khan, evidently he and Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, are like pals. I don't know if that's true. I'm sure it is. I'm sure they've known each other. You know, being in that world, I'm sure they are pals. Um, but then there's like this speculation. I mean, The Rock bought the XFL Football League from Vince McMahon, 
and that's going to be starting back up next year. And there's speculation that like The Rock and Nick Khan will team up and purchase the WWE. It's, again, speculation. It means nothing. But yeah, there's just all kinds of all kinds of weird stuff going on. Anyway, my mouth is really dry from talking for this long and and not taking a break. So as a result, I'm going to get some water and uh, and then I'm going to finish up the the lunch hour here in the next 90 seconds or so and then get back to get back to my other shit. So there you go, that's what's happening. Vince McMahon just an evil son of a bitch. <laughs> and who knows where this story is going to go. But you, you stay right here to the Birthday Boy Podcast. Keep it tuned to the Birthday Boy Podcast, your, your Vince McMahon scandal headquarters. Uh, anyway, and that's about it. It's Thursday. It's the pre-kend. Uh, it's a three-day weekend for me with Juneteenth on, on Monday, the holiday, which, frankly, I'm excited about. Under any other circumstance, I'd be thrilled, uh, ex- except for the fact that there's so much going on that I really... It's like, oh my God, Memorial Day, short work week. Juneteenth, short work week. And then another couple of weeks, 4th of July, short work week. And it's right in the, in the thick of things on, the, on all this busy stuff at work. But that's okay. It's still not going to stop me from enjoying a, a, a three-day weekend and hopefully some, some taffy or something. I don't know. In any event, that's it for now. Go to birthdayboyshop.com. Get your merch. Get your stuff. Uh, And thank you for listening, as always. And until next time, have a great day. Have a great afternoon. Have a great week. Whenever you're listening to this, because I haven't posted stuff, so who knows? It could be Monday by the time you listen to this. In any event, I hope it's fantastic. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're up to, wherever you're going, may it be just lovely. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. And we'll see you next time on the Birthday Boy Podcast. Later, Gators.